This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I am not a fan of Elon Musk. We don't necessarily need to get into that. However, if he does decide to buy Twitter or whatever, I am in favor of the edit button. I am, because I need it. Whenever I tweet from my phone, from a computer, it's fine. But whenever I tweet from my phone, I always make an error. And that's no secret. I need an edit button. It would have to be for, say, 60 to 90 seconds. Otherwise, you wind up screwing up the algorithm, from what I understand. I'm confused already. I understand. I know where you're going with that. But I have been told that it is a uh, impracticality, would be the way to describe it, by those who would know better than either one of us. There wasn't an app that needed an edit button more than Facebook. But Twitter is the next step. Twitter needs an edit button. For personal reasons... And I'm sure a lot of people, well, at least they have the delete button. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Remember, you're talking. But it's not used as much as it should be. I I was going to say, remember, you're talking to a guy who landed 12 hours in jail at about this point yesterday afternoon. Twitter jail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. No DG. Uh, but Sage Williams is with us as well, wearing a K-State polo today. I'm sure it's because the Batcats are in action tonight. Game one of three against number seven, Texas. They continue on with the toughest start Ugh. in Big 12 history. Does K-State baseball for the second straight season, and Texas is in town for three games tonight at 6, tomorrow at 6, and Saturday at 4. Maybe the conference will look at that next year and say, you know, they need to open at home. Could we give the cats a break? Maybe spread out the toughies a little bit. Or maybe look at it this way. You know, maybe it gets a little bit easier on the back end, and that's when the cats make the comeback. Just just load them up next year at Kansas. I mean, that's... But I do want to tell everybody that it is uh, Dollar Day at Toyton Family Stadium, so tickets and select concessions are a dollar apiece. Ooh, good call. Sage is uh, distracted over there. Okay, we're good to go. All right. I'm asking because we have a guest to start off the show. We talked to Derek Young from K-State Online yesterday. I felt like we didn't talk enough K-State hoops, especially from the recruiting part of that. A lot of people want to know what in the world is going on. I need details. Who are the cats going after? Well, I uh, texted this certain gentleman earlier today. He's the guy that can give us some of those answers, maybe. Uh, So we'll see what we can get out of him. It is Grant Flanders, former K-Man employee. Now he's with K-State Online, and he's the expert over there when it comes to K-State basketball. And I'm uh, I'm, I'm sure he's certainly been busy with keeping up with what's going on in the transfer portal and keeping up with Coach Tang and staff on who they are going after. Well, Flando, I appreciate your time. First of all, uh, thanks for coming on. Give me a scale from 1 to 10, How uh, maybe not stressful, but how crazy it's been to be keeping up with all the news that's been going on, especially the transfer portal, like 1,400 strong. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Mitch. Um, you know, 
It's been crazy. It's been a lot of fun, though. I'm not going to lie. So you said scale to 1 to 10, how crazy it's been. I mean, it's got to be, a, you know, an 8 or a 9 for sure. I feel like it can be, get even a little crazier. But at the same time, it's been that much fun, too, to, like, follow this staff and, and see what they, you know, have to do to fill nine scholarships, you know. Um, still, no one entered the program since they've taken over, but I feel like we're on the verge of maybe some things happening within the next week, maybe two weeks. Well, at KCentralLine.com, Flando, you've been really pumping out the material, keeping us up to date on what's happening with K-State recruiting right now in men's basketball. Coach Tang and company have been absolutely busy since he's been hired at K-State, and now that the staff is all together. Do you have a number of exactly like because you've been keeping up with the big board, like you've listed all these names. Do you do you have a number of exactly how many guys they've been talking to? Um, roughly. I mean, I can and I can tell you that there's been some that have already committed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But right now, I would say there's about I think fourteen that uh, that they're talking to. A little, I guess. Let's think about about eleven that I can think of in the transfer portal, and I'm sure that there's others in the transfer portal that haven't even really been discussed that they're talking to. But I would say 11 to 15 in the transfer portal and like 15 including, you know, uh, some high school guys that they're probably talking to. So, uh, and, then, co- and then, but that's just for this class because then sure. you can talk about 2023 class, which is a whole bunch of other guys they're talking to. Well, let's focus on 2022 because there's a whole bunch of of places to fill. There's nine scholarships available. That's also including Taj Manning, who is, of course, expected to be out of the high school level as part of the 2022 class, and he's the only one out of the high school level. Uh, but, of course, a part of the recruiting is just getting these kids to come visit. Um, so right now, is there anybody on the list when it comes to, in the future, visiting K-State coming up? That's the that's the one thing too that's been very quiet on the front. I, I you know, Jerome Tang has uh, been public about saying that there's guys coming in in the next few weeks, but we just haven't pinpointed who those guys are. I can tell you, I, I do believe Terry Roberts, whether he's going to be on campus this weekend or next weekend, I do think he is someone that will get on campus, and I feel like K State has the the best shot at at the moment, which is a transfer guard out of Bradley. Um, and then there's a few few others that have been discussed about possibly visiting. I mean, Marcus Hammond has been reportedly talked about visiting along with, um, I think, a couple other programs that he wants to see. And then uh, you also have a guy, Jason Roach, out of the Citadel, which he's done a Zoom call with the staff, and I'm sure there's others that haven't been reported, but he's been reportedly you know, done a Zoom call with the staff. He's also visited Missouri. Um, so that is probably the number of guys that I would say that's been reported where we can say that there might be on campus at some point. Roberts has talked about wanting to take a visit to K-State, just hasn't been revealed whether or not he, uh, really when exactly he would get on campus, um, if he really chooses to do so. So that's, I, I would say those four, maybe five guys so far could possibly be seen on campus. I know Taj Manning was on campus today. I know you just ah. brought up his name. So uh, good news there. I mean, you know, for what they want to do, it's pretty pretty much solidifies, I think, that 
they're probably going to keep him in the class. How much is Zoom really the key right now for getting guys at least visits as opposed to getting them on campus? I'm sorry, ask that question again? Uh, How important is Zoom right now for this staff in terms of getting those visits rather than getting guys on campus? I think Zooms are really important. I think think that is a way you can quickly get a guy, you know, at least familiar with the coaching staff and what they're all about instead of having to get them on campus. Obviously, getting them on campus is the biggest step and the biggest hint that that player is truly interested in Kansas State or whichever program he's visiting. But a Zoom call is, you know, especially last year, that's really all, and and the year before that, that's really all anyone ever did. So this year it's still a thing, and I still think it is important. Um, It's not as important as getting on campus for real, but it still gives them a feel of, the type of coaching staff they're at least talking to, and they could technically take a little tour on the Zoom, but it's still not nearly as you know effective as getting them you know in Manhattan and experiencing that Manhattan life. We're speaking with Grant Flanders from K State Online here on the game. So we we know the kind of players and the kind of talent when Bruce Weber was here during the transfer portal era. What kind kind of guys he got to come to K State? The names you had mentioned, and you can even throw out the names as well that are maybe also on the your, your big board when it comes to recruiting, even though they might not be exactly looking at K-State, but the guys are talking to. How big of a step is it above who Bruce Weber was going after, or is it maybe equal? Where would you say that range is? I mean, that's a good question. I, I would say compared to the last year or the last, you know, a few months of Bruce Weber's tenure, uh, things kind of went downhill with recruiting. I don't know if it just had to do with all the COVID issues that K-State had to deal with. It was very, very slow turning when it came to recruiting. But I would say before that, I mean, they got out on the road as much as anyone. Bruce would tell you that. And I think they, they tried to go after you know, top-tier talent, but I don't know if they'll be as effective as this staff, but then again, this staff still has to prove that they will be effective at doing it because, you know, Bruce Weber, he did go after his fair share of four- and five-star talent. He just didn't have, you know, always the best um, finishing, finishing power when it comes to getting those guys on campus and interested in the program. But I can name off a few from 2023, you know, 22 21, I mean, Xavier Booker's a guy that's a four-star that's been on campus a few times. And, you know, obviously K-State's not going after him anymore, but he also was, you know, looking at other programs once we started getting down to, you know, this year. Um, but, I, you know, that's the one thing is we really can't gauge that until I think we see who, who K-State and Jerome Tang and his new staff are able to land. Because that is because Bruce Weber did his his due diligence of trying to go after some top tier talent here and there, um, but then again, K State might have some tricks up their sleeves. Uh, Jerome Tang staff might have some tricks up their sleeves in trying to get you know some really really top tier talent, and maybe even right away. Yeah, it's really hard to judge right now until you start seeing the names roll in on exactly who it is going to be a part of this first class for Jerome Tang and company when it comes to the class of 2022. Now, 
is this just a coincidence or is there something behind this? Because I've noticed the names you mentioned, at least some of the names, the top names you mentioned there, Flando, they come from New York. Terry Roberts is from Amityville, which if you're familiar with the Amityville horror, it's the same place. Mm -hmm. It's in Long Island. And then you have Marcus Hammond, who went to uh, school in Niagara, right? He is uh, yep. he's from Queens. Also from New York. Yeah, yeah he's from yep. Queens. So, uh, you know, maybe are some of the players getting involved with some of this, you think? You know, it, it is interesting, too, because the only, you know, two of the three guys that are on the current roster are also from New York, and Marquise Noel yep. and Ismael Masood. Um, you know, I, I do I do think um, it, it's interesting that you, that you say that, and that those are really the top two transfer targets that have been publicly talked about for K-State, um, both coming from New York. I, I know, you know, Doreen Dowling, he has – some connections out there, and, and he's probably going to be the guy, since Shane Southwell left, is going to be the guy to kind of keep, you know, some kind of footprint out east. But um, I, I don't know if that's just more coincidence, you know, than anything else, because they are really solid players. You know, Terry Roberts was his, was the best player on Bradley, and Marcus Hamer was probably the best player for Niagara. And K-State's looking at, you know, top-tier talent when it comes to the portal. And those were some of the you, I think, because uh, uh, Jerome Tang said on his his podcast uh, on the podcast with you know John Kurtz and, and Cole and Derek that twenty uh, percent or twenty five percent of the portal you know early on was guys that you really want to be on your team, whereas you know seventy five percent of the portal was guys that were probably pushed out of the program. I mean, you said it in more you know a nicer way than that, but that's basically what he said and then he said now you're going to see more guys entering the portal that teams really didn't want to leave that their team and in doing so you know guys like Jerome Tang are going to want to go after uh to be a part of you know K-State so I do think Terry Roberts and Marcus Hammond were just some of the you know sooner ones to jump in the portal um and really took interest from K-State and seems to reciprocating that interest because, you know, they've been going after plenty of other dudes um, from East Coast, Midwest, you know, anywhere that they can find someone in the portal, but it hasn't always worked out. Like guys like Will Richard already, you know, committed to, to uh, Florida. Um, Sean McNeil of West Virginia cut his list without K-State in it. Brandon Murray obviously was one of the ones that we really thought was K-State had a really good shot out. He ended shot at he ended up going to Georgetown following his assistant from LSU that went to Georgetown. So I, I would say that um it's probably just more coincidence than anything else. But I do think they can probably have a decent footprint out east still. Yeah, I know some of these uh, questions aren't exactly easy to answer. Flander, you're doing a great job, but I do have one more that might be a little bit tough to answer. But I, I, the reason I ask is just because you know so much about K-State and, and its recruiting. But, uh, you know, the fans, some might start to worry. You know, we've gone so many weeks now and haven't landed one kid yet. And I know, I think we all feel, of course, even D.Y. said it yesterday, that uh, we're not worried about anything yet. And you even mentioned it on that podcast with uh, D.Y., Kurtz, and uh, Cole Manback, basically the former of what was Powercat Game Day, that they mentioned that on that talk with uh, Coach Tang that they want guys 
you know, 25% of the portal, right, are guys that, uh, that the teams didn't want them to leave. And I know that's the kind of guys they want. So I, I guess how patient do we need to be over the next few weeks, month, even further than that? Well, I will say just be patient the next two weeks. If it gets past May and they, uh, if it gets to May, gets past April and they still haven't got the transfers in that they that they want to get, or at least a decent number of them in, um, after you know once once May hits, any transfer that commits to any school, so if they commit to K State after May hits, then they're going to have to sit out a year. They don't get their free transfer anymore. So really, I think that, you know, just be patient in the next week or so. I, I think if, you know, people get on KSL, there's plenty of people, DY and, and myself, but also posters that have put out, you know, some information that might be useful to some. I mean, we don't know exact names of who, who might be coming in um, besides maybe a guy or two, but but there, I think, is some real smoke that they're, there could be some fireworks within maybe by, uh, you know, the end of next week. You know, people could be happy by the end of next week. It's kind of, you know, what's the word on KSO when it comes to hoops recruiting. But, you know, get on, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to plug KSO. Get on KSO if you want to, you know, get on the message board if you want to really keep up with all this stuff up to date as it's happening um, and, and figure out where we're at when it comes to a recruiting standpoint. But, yeah, by the end of the next week, I think we can probably all start feeling better about what K-State's doing, and they'll start getting some guys actually committed. Grant, good stuff, excellent stuff. Appreciate you coming on, and hopefully be seeing you soon. Yep, appreciate you, Mitch. Take it easy, man. Yeah, one. you too, bud. That's Grant Flanders, K-State Online right here on the game when we come back and jump to football because I do want to talk a little bit of linebacker plus we're going to hear from transfer linebacker from Nebraska Will Honus coming up next on the game we continue with the game Mitch Fortner Troy Coverdale hi Sage Williams Sage are you on Twitter not really kind of We've never plugged your Twitter account. It it exists, but <laughs> at Mitch the Fort at Troy Coverdale, Sage just hangs out. Yeah, I mean, I will occasionally scroll, but it's really barely ever. I bring up Twitter again because K State uh, football at K State FB just put out some solid content about an hour ago with the quote: "Nobody's safe because a couple of cats were on campus yesterday." Julius Brents, Echo Boydo. Two guys you know that's going to be starting a corner next year for K-State. Go on one-on-one with some students. And some students putting some moves on them. It's a really fun minute of content. Solid, solid stuff. Solid stuff. Well, that does transition into what I want to talk about. That's about K-State's defense. Uh, Just kind of what we have as an understanding of what it's going to look like next year. Well, I, I think we have an idea who the starters will be, but we just don't know a whole lot about the depth. But Coach gave us... A little bit of info on the depth. Not real deep right now. We know Khalid's going to play. Is he going to help us more at defensive end? Is he going to help us more at Sam Backer? Sean Robinson, is he going to help us uh, as an outside backer, as a safety? We're playing him in both spots. Kobe Savage, another new kid. Is he going to help us at the at the strong side safety, at the weak side safety? The depth is a work in progress. 
simply because we're moving some guys around to try to make sure we either get the best 11 or the best 15 or 16 guys out there. First of all, I just love hearing Khalid Duke could play either D-end or pop up to that Sam linebacker, which is you know basically nickel anymore. I don't know who calls it really Sam linebacker anymore. Right. Uh, I know when I played three three stack defense, we had a Sam linebacker. I was a nose guard in the in the uh, Mike. You have Sam, Mike, and Will. Those are your linebackers back there. Will is the weak side. Mike, the middle linebacker. But it's you know Mike and Will. They don't their their jobs aren't too different. But you know that Sam linebacker might have to go and get the guy in the slot or get that tight end that gets out there a little bit wide. But First of all, if you think it sounds weird of Khalid Duke popping back to linebacker, it's not weird because he came to K-State as a linebacker and he even played wide receiver in high school. So I think he has the chops to go play some Sam. That's not too crazy at all. But, of course, you know he can do some damage on the end. Just he's coming back healthy. You know he's a stud, and you know he's going to be good. Now, at linebacker, it is a little bit weird. uh Brandon Jennings, he transfers on Monday, so there is a bit of a gap there in the depth as well, but there was a guy that stepped up. I think Crew Jackson's had a really good spring. We just got to keep weight on on Crew. Um, he gets taller every day, uh, but you know, just trying to keep – I mean, he's all a 6'6". It's just trying to keep weight on him as he continues to grow. He's got uh, tremendous length. He's a physical kid. He's a smart player. Uh, and uh, he's going to help us next year. He's playing some Sam Backer. He's playing a ton of special teams. He's one that has stood out to me. The thing is, at linebacker for K-State, they obviously need guys to step up with now. A guy that you expected to be in probably the two deep at linebacker has now transferred. Now, who will probably start at Mike and Will? Of course, Daniel Green's going to be the Mike, and he is a complete stud. And I would probably put – I mean, right now probably shocked in there is like Nick Allen who, who's, who's done – or I'm, uh, probably Austin Moore maybe, even mm-hmm. Austin Moore, who's been more of a, a role player at the linebacker position than Nick Allen. Austin Moore did start a game last year. Um, but, uh, you know, Will Honus. Will Honus is a name I definitely expect to be a very key role at linebacker next year. Will playing the Will, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Man, which I, it's totally key now. When it comes to the transfer portal, you know, coach mentioned that they're not going to like go too deep into it right now, especially with uh, team meetings coming up. They're about to end spring practice, but they might go get a couple of guys. I mean, the, the defense does need a couple of guys. He mentioned it just in a clip moments ago, where he has guys playing multiple positions in the secondary right now. The safety positions just kind of a toss up on who's going to be in those certain spots, or they might play multiple spots. You have. You have your guys at the corners. And um, on the defensive line, you know you have some strong starters there, but you just – the depth is a question mark. You don't know exactly how deep they are because they just have way too many injuries. Right, and and this is, as an example, a, a, a why the Brandon Jennings transfer actually hurts the, the program because that's another body that, with tremendous talent from everything we were hearing – and was playing himself into a solid position, just maybe not where he felt that he should be in the mix. But you take that away, that's just one more notch out of what uh, you're trying to get accomplished with the depth on this roster defensively. But you know, in the, in the Chris Kleiman era, K-State's had some pretty good talent at linebacker. Where you, I mean, you can start with Daquan Patton, who, started, who had a very good 2019 year. 
um, Elijah Sullivan, Justin Hughes. and I mean, Hughes had to miss the 2019 season because of injury. Cody Fletcher and Daniel Green step up with those two spots available, and they played pretty well. There's been some great linebackers, but now maybe kind of a first. You have a guy stepping in for one year to play a very key role, but he's also had a crazy history of injuries. Mm-hmm. Not once, not twice, but three times has Will Honus blown out his knee. Mm. He is going to be playing, not necessarily playing, but it's technically his seventh year Jeez. of college football. He is 24 years old, and in my opinion, I think he's good. I hope he's great when he plays at K-State. But he did t- talk to the media yesterday, give us kind of an update on what's going on with his health, what he's been doing, and what it's been like to be a Wildcat so far. Well, how, how's the transition going in spring ball? How you like him playing for Kansas State? It's going really well. Um, getting adjusted took a little bit, you know, when I first got here, getting moved in and stuff. But now that I've been here for a couple months, I really feel settled in and uh, excited to be here and working hard and trying to get back to 100% right now. How far along are you, physically speaking? Um, so physically speaking, I've movement-wise, I'm pretty close to 100%. I've been doing seven-on-seven and individual drills, and then right now I'm non, non-contact. So once I hit 12 months out, I should be good and be able to do everything. How would you contrast this with the previous springs that you've experienced? Um, as far as when I was at Nebraska, it's a similar structure. You know, you have meetings and practice every other day for, you know, whatever, 15 practices. So it's been pretty similar. How do you think your your own game fits into this defense at this point? Uh, I think it fits well. You know, I haven't really been able to show a lot as far as hit, taking on blocks and tackling, but I think uh, my ability to you know make plays and tackles and take on blocks will do well in this defense. Well, when your uh, old teammate Adrian's healthy and throwing the ball, what do you think K State fans can expect from him? Um, I think they're a really exciting player to watch. Uh, he's a special athlete, and he can throw the ball really well, and he can run the ball really well. And you can already see in practice, you know, his movement is pretty different than other players. He moves at a different speed, and then once he is able to throw again, you know, the ball comes off his hand really well, and I think he'll stand out. So are you playing mainly at the linebacker right now? Or? Yeah. And how do you feel like that fits with your skills in this defense? Um, yeah, the Will and the Mike linebacker in this defense are pretty similar as far as being in the box most of the time. And uh, the coverage is a little bit different, but mostly, you know, zone drops, a little bit of man on the back and tight ends, but I feel comfortable doing it. Is there a teammate or a coach that's kind of been instrumental in helping you learn the scheme? Um, yeah, uh, Devin Kleiman helps out with the linebackers, and he's done a really good job of getting me up to speed and learning the defense. What's the biggest difference between Nebraska and K-State so far? Um, that's a hard question. Uh, you know, uh, I think like the four core values here really stand out to me as far as uh, just the culture of the team. You know, everybody really buys into them and comes in ready to work. What have you heard and seen from Khalid Duke that uh, kind of impresses you so far? Um, yeah, he's pretty limited right now with the knee injury, but you can tell, you know, he's got a really good frame. He's an explosive athlete, and I think once he gets back to 100%, I'm excited to see him play. What are daily routines like in practice when you got so many guys out? 
Yeah, so we definitely, in practice right now, it's, there's some adjusting. You know, we do a little bit more special teams and seven-on-seven seven than you probably would when you have as many guys healthy. You know, we're pretty limited on the defensive line right now. I'm sure you've heard. So there's guys rotating in that normally don't play those spots, which kind of limits what you can do in practice. But I think we've done a good job of, you know, still getting a lot of work in with the limited number of guys. Coach has talked about the pit. Uh, what what exactly <laughs> does that entail? Yeah, so the pit is just for the injured guys. You'll go through like a series of different, you know, workouts to keep you in shape when you're not practicing. So there'll be like running, ab workouts, cardio stuff, just to keep the guys that aren't practicing, you know, in, in shape and keep them conditioned. How busy has that pit been this yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys in there. You know, there's like three or four different stations going on at a time with the strength coaches during practice right now. So, yeah. Anyone close to getting out? I mean, are you always stuck in there the whole time? Um, they'll, they'll give us some periods off to go watch practice, you know, when we're doing team and stuff, which is nice. But I think, you know, everybody is working to get out of there. You don't want to stay in the pit very long. Well, there's that discussion about the pit again. When I think of the pit, it <laughs> reminds me of this – a uh, show we used to have on 101.5 K-Rock called The Pit on Sunday nights, hosted by Drucifer, but he and his wife, Sean Rock, moved to Colorado, so mm-hmm. we don't have The Pit anymore. And now K-State football has a pit, and uh, you don't want to be in it. Uh, every time I hear The Pit, I think New Mexico, Albuquerque, oh, yeah. because that's yeah. yeah what they've christened their gym. So I'm looking forward to see Will Honus play. He's close, like he said in that clip but hasn't got to do exactly all he wants to do when it comes to full-speed stuff during the spring, but you know he is going to contribute this fall. All right, let's take a timeout when we come back since we're off at 5.30 with KSA Baseball coming up with first pitch at 6.02 against Texas. Number one song of the day next. Troy, do you know? Lisa Sager. Is it Sager? I think it's, is it Sager? I think you're right. Sager? 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 That's what I get for off the top of my head. S-A-Y-E-R. I mean, you're pretty much right. Leo Sager. From 1977, you make me feel like dancing. Leo Sager. One week. And number one, he's a British fellow. Singer, songwriter, musician, and entertainer from Shoreham by Sea, Sussex, England. Giving it the... Frankie Valley falsetto. A little bit. Looks like Fra- uh, sounds like Frankie, but he looks like Richard Simmons. <laughs> I mean, seriously, looks like Richard Simmons' older brother. Nice. <laughs> now I have met Richard Simmons. Very uh, jolly fellow, and uh, I would imagine old Leo it. would be a bit chipper as well. 
His singing career has spanned five decades, starting in the early 70s. Now, you might have heard as well, he's also a hero. Going back to January 1967, at the age of 18, the bottom floor of a hotel was on fire. He went and rescued a bunch of elderly guests, and then after that, the fire got very serious. It damaged a lot of the hotel. He himself needed to be rescued after rescuing a bunch of people, and he was, of course. So there you go. And he also had this great career in music while being dyslexic. Mm. And he also still suffers from injuries when he, <laughs> to his legs and ankles that were caused by a fall off the stage in 1977. Dang. Yeah, for 10 years, he had a bit of a rough one. But you know what? He got through it. And he turned it into a pretty, uh, well, I mean, these days, I mean, I'm sure hardly anybody's heard of him. Maybe folks at our age, Troy. I mean, no, let me put it this way. Like, probably people my age have no idea who Leo Sayer is. I should hold they, back on that. They may have heard the song yes. a few times, but not know who he like, is. I think I've heard this before. Oh, yeah. the course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, right. this is ringing a bell. And Troy would hear this at, uh, you know, middle school dances. Oh, stop it. You tell me this wasn't played at middle school dances? No. No? I mean, come on. Middle school was 83, 84 for me. That's only... Yeah, only... Six years after this song came out. How was this still not a big bop back then? Oh, give me a break. Uh, where are we at here? Um, 16 studio albums, 8 top 40 hits. This was his first of two number ones, so he went to number one twice. Good for him. From his fourth studio album, Endless Flight... Looks like he's doing some sort of jumping aerobic move, like his younger brother Richard. <laughs> well, the song is about a girl that brings rainbows and happiness into the singer's life. So it's pretty chill. Nothing like yesterday where a couple's cheating on each other. Right. Quite the opposite, it sounds like. Now, uh, he, he did this interview one time with Rock Seller Magazine where he talked about where the song came from, and he says it was just from an impromptu jam session where he was sitting around with some of his band members, um, and they were hearing this song. They were listening to this song called Shame, Shame, Shame by Shirley and Company. Had never heard it until today, but I did mm -hmm. hear it today. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, the, uh, the music, it does sound similar they pretty much hijacked it, but didn't really come to anything. Shirley and, and co, they didn't send it to court. Right. So uh, they're like, you know what, let's let's turn this into something. This is a good groove. And then they just kind of slapped something together, and there it is. Number one hit. Bada bing, bada boom, just like that. I kind of feel like it's still that easy. It's still that easy to produce a number one hit. Just take somebody else's uh, groove and uh, slap some lyrics onto it, and there you go. Number one hit. Put it on Spotify and get 20, discovered. 20 years later, Mitch is going through Did They Steal It? You know, back then, or back then, back, um, gosh, when did we do it? 20, it was, it was during the summer shows, so you know we get weird during the summer. And um, it was Country Stampede, and it was my first time going to Country Stampede. And I got on one about how it's easy to come up with a, with a country song. Anybody can do it. There's an algorithm to it. And so I literally came up with lyrics to a country song. I wrote it. 
John Kurtz, uh, Johnny Kurtz, I believe is what he went by at the time. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he recorded it, and it was it, it almost got to number one. That's how easy it is. Now when he raps, he's JK47. And I don't have a I don't have a country name, but I guess I'm a, an accomplished songwriter. I mean Mitchell works. From what I understand, to make a good country name, you need basically two syllables, two syllables. First and last name. Or See? maybe two syllables, one syllable for the last name. See, you got it then. Nothing too difficult. Mitchell Fortner. It's a good name to chant Mitchell Fortner. If I return punts, there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, you want to mock Iowa State? Is this off topic? Yes, it is. All right, let me finish up here, then we can mock Iowa State. Because you know i got to get going here. Uh, but uh, you make me feel like dancing did earn them a 1978 Grammy for Best R&B Song. And in 2008, here is the, the top cover of this song ever. The Wiggles. The Wiggles sang this song on one of their DVDs called You Make Me Feel Like Dancing, and Leo Sayer himself was on it with them. I'll go check that out later. Student section at Jack Trice Stadium is getting moved. Okay, to where? Basically, same side of the stadium, just down into the corner. Hmm. Because they got into it with Oklahoma State fans. Oh, really? Last I, year. I, I guess I don't remember that. You'll see on the map, there's a little sliver right there, section 41. That's the visiting uh, visitors section. Okay. That's where they were next to. Okay. So, so they're, I'm, I'm, I'm they're pretty getting sure. moved down into the horseshoe. So, yeah. So I, I believe Jack Trice isn't exactly north to south. Correct. But let me, let me pull up a, a map here because... I want to kind of put perspective on, like, put a direction on it. I've been to Ames a couple of times, um, and um, this it's is not it, a bad town for soccer, and we always say, like, really close to Jack Trice. Okay, so it, it does go north to south. The road is just kind of, mm-hmm. you curve around angled. it, but it is north to south, so the students are now going to be in the southeast corner of Jack Trice. Yeah, that's a little weird. That's very weird. And if they don't move the marching band, they're going to be all the way uh, at the opposite end of the field than the marching band. That is going to be exceptionally weird. Okay, so the students. So you can were, imagine what the uh, tweet storm is like. We're, okay, so where the students just basically kind of where K State students are? Is that where they were? I've never been to Jack Trice for a game. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, you're right. Uh, from from end zone to uh, not quite the 35 yard line. I don't really have a lot of reaction to that. I think it's That's humorous just because, just because I know how people take those things. <laughs> Are any Iowa State fans complaining I mean, about losing their seats? Oh, yeah. Of they, course. I mean, I would just, hey, you're in the corner? Oh, let's just move you over to the 40-yard line mm-hmm. and just pay an extra uh, couple of bucks. It's more than probably just a couple of bucks, but... It's a way better seat. As someone pointed out, actually, those are the uh, tickets that are the hardest to sell in that stadium. I don't like sitting in the end zones. I I, I think our, our station tickets are in the end zones. Yes. Just, it's a it's a weird angle. I just don't like that angle. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, you're looking at the screen, I think, more than you are at the field. To just gauge of where the ball is. All right, I'm out. I'm going to Toyton Family Stadium. The Cats and Longhorns going to start at 6.02. First pitch pregame, 5.30. Troy is taking over. You're going to hear... 
from K-State's number one wide receiver Malik Knowles on the other side. But right now, your local news.